Welcome to Coffee and Combos, Season 1, Episode 2. In this week's episode, we discuss the future of the global church. So grab your cup of coffee and join us around the table for the one on the church's future. What is up? Welcome to Coffee and Convos, episode two. We are so excited to be here with you. Uh, it has been really fun launching this new um, way that we're doing it within seasons. Yeah. And so we got really cool things in store for you, and we're excited to, to, to dive in. So, Josh, how are you today? Doing great. Um, we are sipping on some new coffee tonight, which is always fun. Uh, drinking, it's called Portrait Coffee. Um, so this one is, uh, the name of it's called Tony. And it's a Guatemalan, um, single origin. Really good, like, um, not not definitely not a bright coffee. It's more on the chocolatey, kind of smooth side. Um, but definitely enjoying it. I know, uh, like, trade coffee has just been, like, our best friend. Um, we've been able to try so many great coffees that now we love. And honestly... This coffee is really good cold brew. So I, f- mm. I think I found like my cold brew coffee. And I like it. I've been doing it over ice and it's probably, this is probably one of my favorite coffees that we've actually gotten. Yeah. Um, It's just so delicious yeah. and like rich. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. Yeah, I'm always like hesitant to try a roaster that I don't know. And I like, I'll, I always go in and I scope out like their Instagram page because if their Instagram page is pretty dope and like I could tell like they know what they're doing then I know the coffee is going to be good and what I mean by that is like some of the coffee though it's like really good and the people are probably trying really hard sometimes they call it craft coffee but it's really oily it's burned um kind of reminiscent of like a Starbucks feel this one definitely wasn't um they're based in Atlanta uh, relatively new roaster I think they've been around since 2019 so um Definitely. Next time we're in Atlanta, I'd love to go check them out, too. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a really great uh, overall coffee. And definitely, if you haven't, check out Trade. Um, always free shipping. You can try coffee roasters literally around the country from Seattle all the way to Florida. Um, so in anywhere in between, there's all kinds of really great roasters um, to choose from. I actually have a coffee coming in that's not from Trade, um, but it was a coffee that we tried. And I think we reviewed on an episode way back, but it it's a roaster in Denmark. And um, they were doing this really big online special. It was like 30% off. So I was like, I got to score me a bag. So I scored me a bag of this like super rare volcanic, uh, vol- how do you say this? Volcano coffee. Okay. Um, bas- yeah, basically it's like grown on the hillside and it's literally just a father and son who own this farm. So they don't even have any like employees. It's just them picking. So it's a super small lot. Um, this coffee particularly is very bright and acidic, it said. So I can't wait to try it. Um, definitely over like a V60 kind of pour over method. So hopefully that'll be in soon and we can review that one for you guys as well. <clears throat> um, this week we were intentionally, um, uh, originally, should I say, um, going to interview Mike Mills. Um, who's the owner of Symmetry Coffee and Crepes. Uh, But unfortunately, the time we're living in, COVID struck. And uh, praying for him and his family, they all got COVID. 
So we're praying for a quick and speedy recovery. We're hoping maybe in the next couple weeks to be able to come to you guys with that interview. Um, it's going to be a really special one. I know Mike, he's just a super solid guy. Like he's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a family man, just very creative. And so, um, can't wait to bring that interview. And then in September, which feels like it's forever right now away, but it's really not, it's coming up quick. We're going to interview, um, a really close friend and even mentor, uh, to Becca and I, uh, he is the vice president of operations for our company. And, um, we can't wait to interview him, Jeff Bailey. Um, will be um, on the show, and um, he he's just a really solid guy. Um, he kind of brought me into the company um, with when I was looking for a new career path and has just become a mentor for me in the hospitality industry. And so I know Becca, you know, she's been around him for a long time, but he's going to talk on like hotel, like he has so many just mind-blowing achievements in the hotel world and just what he's done even in our company. So we want to just kind of bring you into our world of hospitality and bring uh, to me, I mean, he's a legend and he's one of the most knowledgeable people. This dude, like he will sit down. It's crazy. He'll get an Excel spreadsheet and just, I mean, like break this puppy down like section by section. I mean, he's so analytical um, like in a really cool way. Um, and so we, we're just excited. We, you know, the thing about interviews for us is we want to have people, um, of all different varieties. We don't want to just have like, just, you know, Christian leaders on the show or, um, you know, coffee shop or artists. We want to have people even in this world, you know, uh, the marketplace. And so bringing, uh, some, some different personalities, uh, as well. So, uh, if you are a new listener, welcome to the show. We're so excited that you have chosen to be with us around the table. Uh, we get to do this for the next 10 weeks together um, for season one, and uh, we would love for you know for you to become a weekly listener. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the follow button, and definitely uh, tune in with us. So tonight, we wanted to just kind of share, we want to spend this week and just share some thoughts on what we feel could be, not saying this will be, this is more of a prediction slash prophetic, maybe like declaration. All that simply means is kind of what we feel maybe God is telling us about the future of the global church. Um, And and like I said, this isn't saying this is going to happen, nothing set in stone, just some things that maybe we both have witnessed, been a part of, and now are currently doing with Catharos that we really feel could be the future of the church. You know, when you look at the global church, um, some characteristics come to mind. And one of the things that um, the church is currently operating in, it's been operating in the same kind of system for generations. You have a pastor, you have some kind of gathering where people attend. Um, It's the word that we've come to like realize this model, it's called a centralized model. So everyone comes to one hub to be able to worship, to be able to build community. Um, It's a great model because there's, I mean, there's massive churches all around the world. I think of like Hillsong, who has churches literally almost on every continent on uh, the earth. And those churches are powerful and they're doing incredible things. 
the danger, I think, coming out of a centralized model that I pastored in for, you know, almost 10 years is if that model was to ever be shaken, let's say tomorrow, for example, the government came in, they took away the 501c3 that churches have, which really helps churches out. I mean, having the tax break is a huge deal. Um, maybe they said, listen, you can't publicly worship. My fear and what I've been wrestling with as we've built Catharos is that church model of a centralized model would essentially go away because you couldn't publicly worship. So there goes the churches that we see on every corner, right? You can't show up to them. Maybe there would be those who um, are rebellious and decide to do it anyway, and then their church gets persecuted. And yet again, this is very like out there, like, whoa, like, will this ever happen? I, don't, I pray to God this never happens. However, reading the Bible and knowing what happens in Revelations, we know these things are to come at a certain time. And just seeing the way our world is structured, not just in America, but even elsewhere, there definitely is the church is receiving a lot of persecution. In fact, um, I, was, I was sharing this with Becca. There's a worship leader. His name is Sean Foy. And he started this movement of just like radical worship on the streets. And so he was worshiping um, in Portland. They were literally going through the streets. And um, Antifa literally came up and attacked like this group of Christians. I mean, literally with tear gas, they were beating them in the streets um, there was like a Facebook group started by some atheists who want the church completely destroyed and like, they're going to start protesting in front of churches. So we're already seeing like a level of persecution that maybe like the Chinese have seen or the Russian church is starting to come to the shores of America. And it's not as prominent, but my, my thing is if that ever happened, I don't know if believers right now are in a place in their life where they would continue to follow Jesus. And I say that because for a lot of Christians, going to church on Sunday is their faith. Mm -hmm. It's what they've become accustomed to. It's what it's what they're used to doing. So taking that away from them, I don't know if they would be able to survive. And I'm just being honest, there, there would probably be a great falling away from the church. And so a model that Beck and I have decided to adopt for Catharos simply because we believe it's it's prophetic, it's really what the Lord was leading us to do, is to run a decentralized network. Meaning that if tomorrow the government came in and said, "You listen, whatever you're doing publicly for the Catharos, you can't do it anymore, our model would continue to thrive because it's not done in public. Mm-hmm. Our micro churches, yeah, some of them might meet in public places, but they're so grassroots and just almost like that guerrilla style warfare, like they're they're out in the community doing things that don't always get the public's eye that they would survive. And it's building people to truly rely not just on a system, right? Because we have a, dis, a decentralized network, which could be a system, I guess. But it's truly trusting God to lead them. Um, I know even in my journey of being a microchurch leader, there's been times where I'm just like, God... I need your help figuring out what am I doing here? So it's like really relying upon God and the Holy Spirit to lead. It's not relying on a one man in a pulpit in a church building to be my my faith. It's relying on the true living God. And I think 
and this is just me kind of prophetically maybe speaking towards what I feel like the church could be in the future. I really do feel like it will be a decentralized network in the future. I feel like for people that have been in a centralized model, they're going to have to learn to adapt or not have anything. And um, man, there's just, there's going to be, I don't know. I just, there. I've been getting like this vision of what the church will be all across the world. I mean, in certain parts of, I know in Ireland right now, the church had been dead for centuries, like very old style faith and uh, very liturgical in nature. And it was just dead. And so it's been resurrected through a decentralized model. Um, and there's house churches, there's groups of people meeting and really starting revival. I feel like, man, there's going to be something powerful uh, to happen on this. Uh, Becca, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so I agree. I mean, so many, so often systems end up falling apart at some point or another. Um, and I think that part of that's okay, right? Because as we're continuing to develop and um, continuing to change as a, a culture and a society, that some models aren't built to last forever. And so this model that Josh and I have been, you know, leading with Gotharos and just praying on and like asking God to, to use us and, and move in us with is so, it's so organic that it will continue to change and develop because even though it is somewhat of a system, there's very, the, the system is, just strictly three basic things that like, yes, your microchurch has to include, but those three things are biblical. The, our values are the biblical, like on, on how we function um, as a ministry. And so those are more like timeless, um, timeless sort of things that we've put in place. So as we develop and we shift and we change and grow, um, those will always be constant because everything else is going to kind of develop and change. Yeah. And as long as those three things are at the root, it'll be a successful ministry. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of the, the beauty of it is having that core. What's those, what are the core three things that we expect at every micro church and, and, and besides that core, how you do it, where it happens, mm-hmm. um, who is doing it. All of those are very interchangeable, mm-hmm. um, and very, uh, open, I guess, um, which is kind of exciting and cool all in itself. And the way that we're doing ministry is very much, um, it's not glamorous, and no. it's not uh, not meant to be, which is totally cool. Um, it's not meant to be this like super trendy thing. And, you know, because what happens with trends, guess what? They go out of style. And that's not the goal of Catharos. We're not trying to go out of style. We're trying to build a ministry that lasts. Yeah. So we could care less about being trendy. Um, but what I do love about it is is it, it causes you to kind of get out of your own way. And yeah. it causes you to really ask the Father 
what is his purpose for you and what is, you know, his purpose for me. And so it's not just that I'm going to go and attend and I'm going to soak in whatever that pastor worked really hard for, whatever the word God gave that pastor for. I'm going to try and soak it up and hope that I can pull all of it out and then I'm going to go and then I'm not going to do, I might not do anything. Or, or, you know, it becomes very, um, this type of ministry, it it causes you to to learn how to feed yourself. Yeah. Right? You're not getting spoon fed. Um, because if you want to be spoon fed, then this just isn't the ministry for you. Um, and that's the thing that makes me, I think, the saddest about the church because I know the heart of the leaders and pastors is to develop people mm. so that they can, you know, feed themselves and that they're not being, you know, sucked dry yeah. from people who who may use it, but I think I think far too often uh people don't know how. Yeah. Like legitimately don't know how to talk to the father, to learn about the father, to have a relationship with the father. And so and that's that's I mean that's that's on all of us, right? That's not just their fault. Um, so there's a breakdown between the discipleship where this where the ministry and the and the heart that Josh and I have is to be a ministry that helps disciple, right? Like, okay, you get saved, but what's next? Like, yeah. how can we use you to bring, um, or how can we bring out the gifts that God wants to use you? Yeah. Um, with and and how can we help steward that maybe newfound relationship that you have um or how can we steward the incredible blessings that God's given you for for many years that maybe you just have never known how to really use yeah. um or that you've had this burning on your heart but you don't know what to do what's next so where can Josh and I come in to help so i say all that to say that I just think that ministries like Josh and I's not, we're not the end all be all. We're definitely not. We're learning and trying to grow and we're trying to be um, all that we can be for the city. But ultimately, like, as we've mentioned before, like our heart for being a resource is to hopefully become that resource to align with churches so that God forbid in the future, like if this system starts to break down that their people know what to do next that they don't fall away because they've never known anything other than going to church that they would know like oh man well this isn't working so what's next like what can we do next how do we launch something else how do we shift in the midst of this change and so i know for us that's our heart is to kind of partner alongside so that you know if stuff hits the fan that people aren't falling away from their faith like they begin to stand up and 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 really use the purposes and giftings that God had given them. Yeah. No, and I, you know, the thing that I really see, and, and this is, I want to like be clear on this. I think that the current form of church done globally, uh, it's not just in the West, it's it's all across the world still. I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I think people are called to that model and that's yeah. totally fine. Definitely. Just like people are called to our model. However, I do really pray and I really do wish that churches that are running a more centralized model could adopt some of the decentralized network ideas 
only because it really does, um, from what we've seen um, and witnessed and even are witnessing now, it really puts this reliance upon God that I think is missing in so many churches. Mm -hmm. The pastor from the pulpit has become the mouthpiece of God. And listen, pastors are great, right? They're, They're shepherds. They're supposed to be the mouthpieces of God. However, they're not supposed to replace the voice of God in your life. That's right. Right? Like God God can speak to you. He doesn't need just a man to speak to you. And so I think like if churches could adopt some of these future thinking ideas. I mean, when we when we got to see the underground in Tampa, like as soon as I got to see that model, I said this is at least 15 years ahead of what the church is doing right now. Yeah. So I do believe there will come a period where churches will will operate from more of a decentralized um, idea. In fact, you know, I was meeting with a pastor the other day, and and they somewhat run kind of a, uh, a centralized model, but they've adopted some decentralized ideas. And um, one of the things that we we both did, like, came to the conclusion on is the beautiful thing about a decentralized model is there's not this dependence um, upon heavy staff salaries. There's not mm-hmm. this dependence upon maintaining this building and all the costs that go into that. Um, a, a decentralized model can operate anywhere. You know, I told him, I said, the really cool thing about Catharos, at least right now, um, is that we could pack Catharos up today and go to any city with it. Yeah. Where a lot of churches, I mean, they can't do that. They would have to launch a campus and there's so many, you know, so much fun and sending teams for us. Like our heart is we, you know, we want to take people, we want to equip them, disciple them, and then send them out and allow them to be the church. And so, I think in the future, these are some ideas that I really do believe are going to happen in the in the future of the church. They have to. The current model, it's dying, it's sick, and it needs resurrection. And so just like, you know, I, I think of the letters being nailed um, to the church, you know, back in the day. Um, that was a reformation that was needed from the current model. And I feel like we're, we're at an age in our time period where a reformation is needed once again, and that pastors and leaders have to really start thinking future, not just Sunday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And really, what does the global church need right now? And, and and this is a hard question. This is a question like I've been asking um, as we've launched Catharos is, God, what does Ocala need right now? Yeah. Like, what, what kind of church does Ocala need right now? Maybe, God, maybe like, Catharos isn't the right thing for Ocala right now. And that's sometimes like hard to wrestle with. And, and maybe you're a pastor or leader listening and maybe Ocala or wherever you're at, maybe they just don't, they don't need what you're offering right now. Not to say that they won't in the future, or maybe they've already taken what you could offer. And so now it's time to, you know, adopt something new. I think those are those questions that and thoughts that are really hard to wrestle with because we're afraid of change. Mm-hmm. But as the church, we know Jesus is actively um, doing a new thing yeah. right in the earth. And so we have to be on board with that. This is not a kingdom, uh, our kingdom kind of deal. The moment that it becomes about you and what you've done and what you've built, man, you lose sight of the future. Yeah. And for us, like we, we always want to be on the heartbeat of God and see with his eyes. And when we can't, we ask that he would humble us to be able to see what he needs us to see. Um, I think the future church, here, here's what I want to like encourage with. The church is alive. 
It is moving right now. Though the model might be dead, the people of God, there's revival breaking out all over the earth right now. I mean, we're seeing it with that worship movement with Sean Foy and so many others. Like God is doing a new thing. And so as the people of God, if you are a believer listening, let's get on board. Let's celebrate it. Let's praise it. Um, Let's pray and ask God to give us a heart that is willing to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pray this this week has been insightful. I know it was kind of more religious. Um, so if you if you were listening and you aren't religious, maybe just take these ideas and maybe just think on them. Um, and and if you are religious, if you follow Jesus, I would just ask you to pray um, and maybe ask the Lord to open your eyes to new possibilities and what the future has in store. Uh, but we love you guys so much, and we can't wait to be around the table again next Friday. Love y'all. See ya. 